0: Hello listeners or on YouTube viewers. Welcome to Trek in Time. This is the podcast that takes a look at Star Trek in order and in history. We're taking a look at each episode of Star Trek in chronological order. So we're still very early days. We're in Enterprise. And we're also going to take a look at how things were in the world at the time of the original broadcasts. So since we're in Enterprise, we're also in the year 2002 at this point. We'll take a deeper dive into each episode and take a deeper dive sometimes into the eras in which the broadcast happen. We'll basically follow whatever catches our interest and now you're wondering who's this magical hour that I'm talking about. Who is the us here? It's me Sean Farrell. <laughs> you know me. I'm a writer. <laughs> I write some books that are some sci-fi and I write some books that are some picture books and I write some books that are a little weird and with me is my brother he's matthew farrell he's the tech guru and inquisitor behind the youtube channel undecided with matt farrell which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives before we get into this episode just a reminder there are ways to directly support the podcast you can of course keep doing what you're doing right now which is listening to us as we drone on and on (laughs) and on (laughs) or you can go to (laughs) trekintime.show just ignore us completely but give us the monies. Either way, we appreciate your time and your support. Matt, how are you? I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Before we get into the episode, I think Matt has some listener comments from our recent episodes. Matt, do you want to share yeah. those thoughts with us? Sure.
1: We had a couple of comments that were on a theme from the last episode, which was uh, called Acquisition, which is the Ferengi episode where mm-hmm. the Ferengi kind of hijacked the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hill Ghost 69 said, while this episode fell flat for me, I love that the cast was a bunch of actors we've seen before. I didn't even recognize Jeffrey Combs until I watched it for the third time and saw him in the credits. It's always nice to see Ethan Phillips, too. And in the broader picture, the retcon was from the timey-wimey stuff, making it possible for them to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Robo Trav said something along the same lines of, I loved seeing some of my favorite Trek actors playing the Ferengi. That's one of my favorite things about rewatching all of the old series. It's so much fun figuring out that that Klingon in season six was also the Romulan in season three. Mm -hmm. And that's, I agree with that. There is some fun in that. Um, There's a little bit of a stunt casting sometimes. And I think you and I were talking that that episode about, it was almost a little too much stunt casting because it was just, Every Ferengi was just jam packed. <laughs> yeah. It's like you could have picked one, maybe two,
0: but they did all of them were pretty yeah. much a stunt cast. It was like all of that with Clint Howard on top was just like, okay, <laughs> Clint Howard on top of all of that is maybe one too many. They yeah. couldn't have held on to, to Clint a little bit longer. Yeah. um Yeah. I agree with all of that. I, I think that it is a lot of fun to have that. And this episode, I think we're going to hit a discussion around that very thing with some of the casting of this episode. Um, So, Matt, do you want to give us a quick synopsis about this episode? Sure. It's
1: Captain Archer and Ensign Mayweather are detained by the Tandarans in a Sulaban internment camp. And learning of the Sulaban's persecution by the Tandarans, Archer enlists the aid of the Enterprise and his crew
0: to free them. That's right. This episode is, of course, the episode Detained. It's directed by David Livingstone, who's done a couple of episodes prior to this including shuttle pod one which was one that matt and i had differing opinions on but i don't have a problem with him as a director i had a problem with effectively the writing of that episode but the directing was clearly uh, top-notch so we're in good hands with david in this one this is another one where the story is by brandon and braga and the teleplay is by mike sussman and phyllis strong sussman and strong have of course written other episodes this season already this episode aired on april 24th 2002 which did throw me off a bit we've barely been back from the winter hiatus and then they took another break the previous Mm -hmm. episode was early april so here we are april 24th they took about three weeks off in showing new episodes so as i was going through and compiling the what was the world that this landed in? I was mm-hmm. thrown by the fact that suddenly I was skipping over previous weeks. And I think that that's also reflected in the viewers that this episode had. This episode only had 4.88 million viewers. That's a steep drop, almost a million people from the previous new episode. It seems like not only do we have the exhaustion of, let's be honest, a string of kind of low b grade high c grade maybe episodes yeah for several weeks followed by reruns for three weeks they're slowly shedding their audience 4.8 million viewers is not good for a show that costs this much money to make so when this episode aired was on april 24th 2002 and what was going on in the world at that time well we were all dancing our fannies off to the song ain't it funny by j-lo and ja rule (laughs) this is their second time not together each of them has had a number one hit previously during our run of enterprise and the number one movie in the box office was the scorpion king which of course is the 2002 sword and sorcery action adventure film directed by chuck russell starring dwayne johnson it is dwayne johnson doing effectively a prequel to the mummy franchise in which Mm -hmm. he was the scorpion king in those films but this is his first turn at being the lead in the movie and as of course we all know it didn't work out too well for dwayne johnson no he went nowhere no no No. i wonder whatever happened to him yeah never heard from him again he felt like a rock one might say Mm. the movie made 36 million dollars which put it as a record breaker ahead of the matrix for box office draw in april which i thought was an interesting the scorpion king is currently available on hbo but it is a movie that one i have never seen yeah and two whenever i see it in rotation on things like hbo i'm always like oh yeah that's a thing that exists so (laughs) and the number one show this week was once again er we're in a cycle at this point in the season where the top shows are going to very often either be ER or CSI. Those two shows appear to be 2002's uh, top two shows combating for that number one spot week after week. And this week it was ER with 23 million viewers. In the New York Times on the day that this aired... Two major headlines, one of them, the Pakistanis say the U.S. is allowed in the border areas. This, of course, is the ongoing search for members of Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and the U.S. desiring to go into Pakistan, which borders Afghanistan, to find those fighters that fled across the border. And also the major headline, scandals in the church, the overview of the Pope offering apology to victims of sex abuse by priests. And this of course is a major story that has gone on for literally decades now Mm -hmm. as the repercussions of that kind of sex abuse continue to be not only investigated but in some cases not defended but the church has not fully embraced ownership of responsibility for what it did in allowing some of those priests to continue to work with children. So on to our current episode, Detained. This episode, we are speculating, takes place sometime in January of 2152. This, of course, as I mentioned previously, is based completely on speculation. This is, we have an episode with a date, and then we have a bunch of episodes without dates, and then the future episode with a date is February 2152. So based on just how many episodes we had, I said, you know what, I'm going to say That's taking place in January. (laughs) So happy new year to the crew of the Enterprise as the episode opens with Archer and Mayweather caught in a Tandarin prison. And Matt, you and I have talked previously, basically every time Mayweather ends up in an episode, we talk about how much we like him and how underutilized he is as as an overall character. Uh, There are times where Enterprise feels like it maybe has one major crew member too many yes it is always leaving somebody out in a way that feels unfortunate there is sato who it would be nice to know more about her she's relegated to a couple of episodes there's mayweather he's relegated to a couple of episodes trip usually gets airtime understandably he's supposed to be an old friend of archer's and he's supposed to be that person that archer can turn to as a sounding board for some of his biggest quandaries to Paul, of course, is going to be a major character and in almost every episode because she is the second to command and also as the one major person on the bridge crew who is not human is going to get attention as yep. Star Trek likes to build a crew that has that kind of diversity in it right there on the bridge. And Phlox is another one where he gets more play. I do wish there was more time spent with him and what his Culture and his approach to humanity is. Uh, but like Neelix in Voyager, he's kind of relegated to one room. When people want to go talk to him, he gets his airtime. But if they don't go down there, he, he doesn't really show up too much. It's a Guinan. <laughs> Yeah. So having Mayweather in this episode was a nice touch. I appreciated that he was the one in this prison with Archer. And it's an opportunity to show him having what I think are some really strong dramatic and heroic moments for him as a character. Cause It also
1: makes it also makes a lot of sense because yeah. it's him and the captain that were captured from a shuttle. He would have been piloting the shuttle. He it was, was like, piloting the shuttle. Very different yeah. from like, why is Trip here? Why would Trip go on this mission? It's like, yeah. no, you have Mayweather and it makes perfect sense.
0: So the two of them wake up in a prison. I really like how this one hits the ground running we don't see the op- the opening sequence is not them flying in the shuttle and getting attacked it is not them being captured it is just it has a sort of twilight zone element to it they wake up they're in a prison the door is not locked they're able to see sulaban in the hallway and their response immediately is like we're in a bad situation but we really don't understand it and I think that that element. Really does a good job for the episode of starting off with making the viewer uncertain about exactly what is going on. Why are they captured, but the door isn't locked? What is going on here? Mm -hmm. They are soon approached by clearly an officer in charge who turns out to be Major Clev, who takes them to meet Colonel Gratt. And this is where we're going to have our first moment of talking about stunt casting in this episode. (laughs) Not truly (laughs) stunt casting, although it is, but it's not because it's so good. Yes. Uh, it's dean stockwell and this is one of my like i'm gonna hit my deeper dive on this episode right now just like them hitting hitting the ground running i'm gonna hit my deeper dive right now i'm gonna talk about dean stockwell who was a a tremendous actor he was in a lot of things i just happened to recently i'm doing a uh i can't call it a rewatch i'm doing a watch through of Columbo, which is a favorite of matt's Oh my god! I going back for Columbo. decades, and for decades, yeah. Matt and I have always traded off. On I am the Rockford Files guy, and he's mm-hmm. the Columbo guy. Both of us yep. had our that seventies show thing that we would return to as background viewing, just voices in the background that make us feel calm, make us feel like we can handle things, everything's going to be okay because warm blanket or. <laughs> or jim rockford or taking care of things and i'm just now going through a watch through of columba for the first time and watching an episode recently in which a young dean stockwell plays the murder victim and when he showed up i was immediately just like it's dean stockwell and my girlfriend was like who's dean stockwell (laughs) i was like what do you mean who's dean stockwell dean stockwell dune (laughs) among among all the different films and tv shows he's been in is most recognizable to some people as scott Bakula's partner from quantum leap so this is an opportunity for the two of them to work together and whenever you have this kind of casting obviously there's a stunt element to it but you got to get it right You got to get the opportunity has to be not just, well, let's put them in there together because it'll be fun. It has to make sense. And the dynamic here does two things. The role that Dean Stockwell is playing is the, is really the, the challenger to captain Archer in the episode. So it gives Mm -hmm. the two of them an opportunity not to recreate what happened on quantum leap, but to go completely against that archetype. They are not buddies here. They are playing a chess match against each other, trying to outsmart the other one. One of them has all the leverage he thinks and is using it to his advantage while the other one is trying to figure out how do I get out from underneath this guy's thumb? As opposed to the best friends relationship that was portrayed in Quantum Leap. And if anybody remembers Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap ends on an incredible leaping off into a future for Scott Bakula's character who effectively changes the past which guarantees he will be trapped in the leaping and the past that he changes is that of the character of Dean Stockwell so he that show really ends on a note of the love and friendship between these two characters this episode completely the opposite of that this is yep. cold dry manipulative uh prison superintendent against a prisoner who has zero control of the situation and when this was first suggested it was suggested by scott Bakula, who very early on suggested that stockwell should appear on the show saying wouldn't it be great if we could do that and they took their time to really find the right scenario and Bakula said of doing this that they would love to do an episode together but they would have to be clever about it or just ignore doing it entirely so that it wouldn't be a distraction, but add to the show. And I think that that is really, they managed to do that. In the meantime, Stockwell apparently did not actively pursue getting a role in the series. He waited and just to see what would happen. But he did have one requirement that was that he didn't want a lot of prosthetic makeup. So <laughs> I, thought that, I thought that was great. Uh, yeah. Which could explain why the aliens in this basically just have little pinched noses. That's yes. all that's all that's going on here.
1: little thing right up there
0: little tiny things on their noses um so they're taken to meet the colonel and one of the things i really like about this episode is the drip 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 of the the turning of the screws they get tightened very slowly and the first meeting is clearly not terrific as far as the first contact situation goes No. It doesn't seem too bad, though. It doesn't it's like, seem oh, too bad. They're going to get out. Exactly. Of this. It's, no big it's deal. like, sure, you're in prison, but we're going to take you to see a judge. That's going to be in three days. I will do my part in explaining to the judge how you ended up here. So I'm not too worried for you. And I think you're going to be okay. You just got to wait these three days and then we'll get you to that judge. How does that sound to you? No, I'm sorry. You can't talk to your crew. And leaves with archer and mayweather nonplussed but they're okay Mm because at this point they of course are assuming they're in a prison they don't see this as anything other than a prison probably full of bad people right yes because the sulban the sulban are walking around everywhere right and yeah so the sulban are walking around everywhere and that is clearly tainting their approach to where they think they are and they're given the advice of stay to yourselves don't don't socialize too much with any of the people around you so they're trying to do that a little bit but they end up crossing paths occasionally meanwhile the enterprise is contacted by grat who says the same thing to them like we've got your people they are safe we're going to take them in front of a magistrate it's going to be best if you just stay and wait and don't try and do too much to Uh, get them back right now because trust me it's going to look better for them if you guys are patient and let the legal system it's there's constant refrains of let the legal system take its course yep and the one person on the enterprise who's like okay we'll stand by is to paul trip is very quick to say like let's get in there let's rescue these guys and paul makes the argument of there is a system in place and you, and I think that this is a very interesting tension in the show. And I want to hear what you have to say about that. The tension being, Paul says, you're going to have to get used to, if you're going to be going out into space, you're going to have to get used to actually honoring other people's cultures as you cross paths with them. Yep. And there was a real strong tension there because, what we will find out is that this is not so much a prison as much as an internment camp. This is pulling, I think for me, this is pulling two threads at once. One thread is harkening back to World War II, the Japanese internment camps where Japanese Americans were rounded up and put into camps quote for their own protection and to ensure national security but these were people who had done nothing wrong they were not in trouble in any way shape or form with the legal system prior to this their goods and services their homes were taken from them and they were put into these camps and it affected them for the rest of their lives two stories related to this that i wanted to remind our viewers of one is that The gentleman who played Sulu in George Takei, George Takei in the original series, he spent several years of his childhood in one of these camps. He lived this. And another story I wanted to share was that of somebody I came across just recently. There was a white American farmer who ended up helping four of his neighbors who were Japanese Americans. who was in California. He took care of their farms for them while they were in the camps. And when they came out, their camps were still, their, their farms were still working and he was paying not only for maintaining their farms, he was paying the mortgages for them from the proceeds of what he was growing. And he died at the age of 103. He ended up being honored uh, recently. And I will include information on that in the show notes if anybody's interested in looking into that.
1: I had no idea the yeah the, this the whole theme of this episode which um the, the writer I, I found a quote from the writer of this episode it was, it was his name Sussman yeah he hates message episodes yeah. of Star Trek he always hates them and hated this and he he was not happy with how this episode turned out because it was very preachy my response to him was well then you're not doing it right you can have message episodes that are really good. And there's plenty yeah. of examples from the original series and other episodes of other series that do it extremely well. And if the fact that you're going into this tainted and thinking these kind of things are crap, you're going to probably write crap. And I don't think he did a, a bad job, but it was a little on the nose at times. I thought he could have been a little more subtle. The one thing about this is this is the, I think this is the first episode that you and I are talking about that ties back to one of the things, w- the reasons why we talk about this time in history, what was going on in the world.
0: I was going to say that this was is the, the second first, thread that I yeah. think is being pulled. Yes. This is Go the on.
1: first time that we're talking about an episode where you could actually see the ramifications of what happened in September 11th. And this was a direct response to that because at this time, we were like, being, it was, the anti-Muslim rhetoric had gone to a, an incredible level. Yes. Attacks on Muslims had increased like 500%. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, people were being rounded up uh, around the world and being detained without due process. Mm -hmm. It was a really horrible time to be a Muslim. And, uh, this was a direct response to that because we, you'd think we would have learned our lesson from world war II and the Japanese internment camps. Here we are starting to do something kind of frighteningly similar at the time. And Star Trek Mm -hmm. is grappling with that. And that's what this episode was all about. So for me, it's like, I, I remember watching this at the time and Mm -hmm. it was like a punch straight to your face. It was so obvious what they were talking about and rewatching it again. I just watched it yesterday. It was, it just like came flooding back of like, oh yeah, I remembered at the time this was like really prevalent. Um, so I, I didn't think it was too ham fisted in the way it presented it. I thought, I thought they actually did a pretty good job. With yeah. the message, especially because it was tying it back to World War II, it wasn't directly talking about 9/11 at all or anything like that. Yeah, so I thought I thought it did a pretty good job, and I thought the setup of the episode, like you just ta- ran through, I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. With the uh, the the Dean Stockwell's character, um, the one thing I thought was kind of like the ham fisted moments in the show were what, what we talked about, were they are going back into the general population of the Sulaban and what does Archer do? He goes up to a father with his son whose son's who's like getting bathed or something and he goes up to him and he's like, a little young isn't he to be in the cabal? And it was like, what are you, what are you doing? He would have been a little more subtle. He should have gone up and like started asking probing questions because he thinks that that it's like absurd that this kid is part of the cabal and he could have been a little more subtle in how he went about it but instead he comes up like a belligerent jerk. And that just seemed so on the nose, a little too just like, oh, come on. You could have been more subtle about it.
0: I think I agree with you. I think that um, it's literally on a sentence level that I have problems with particular moments. It's not about thematic or how the episode is structured. I think this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the stronger episodes that we've agreed done in the season. I think that it is interesting that in the notes i was able to find about this episode the reception at the time was lukewarm but that as time has moved forward this episode has come back again and again and included in lists of must view watching for star trek Mm -hmm. i think that this is really the moment for me where it looks like archer is stepping into that role of on par with a with a Kirk or a Picard, stepping into a scenario which is ethically and morally so complicated that that moment of divorcing the well, I have this desire to let cultures alone and respect them. Yet there's a thing that's happening here which is egregious, all wrapped. In a message for the viewer that is handled in a way that I think is done with a lot of subtlety and nuance. I agree. It is obvious that what they're talking about is Japanese internment camps, potential Muslim sequestering, the attacks on Muslim post-9-11. But this is the this is where Star Trek has its truest voice, I think, is Mm -hmm. when it is talking about the world we live in, as opposed to trying to divorce itself entirely from commentary of that kind. It is it is that is the best place for this kind of sci-fi writing is to be talking about the people who are living and watching it as opposed to making itself entirely about some sort of fictional world that is self-reflective. And so for me, this episode stands up as like truly Star Trek. This is very Trek. I agree.
1: And the other thing to mention is like we've been talking about two two tentpole things that happened in history that influenced this episode but this is something that's happened in human history over and over and over again so this is a this is a very strong theme to grapple grab onto for an episode so that's part of why i don't agree with sussman's take of message episodes are just crap it's like no you can do it well and you kind of did this one pretty well ham-fisted in a couple parts but on a whole i thought it was a very good episode
0: I also really like how this is an opportunity for them to be looking at the Suluban as something other than a problem. Yes. And investigating the Suluban as a people, as sort of, you're getting hints of what the cabal might be responding to. You get a bigger picture of what the Suluban as a people are about. And this is the first time in many episodes of Enterprise where they didn't reuse a favorite alien in this role Mm -hmm. of... Mm -hmm. Like this, this isn't a group of Kleons. This isn't a group of Ferengi, uh, or a new alien hasn't been thrown in for one week and then disappears forever by bringing in the Suluban who have been the recurring villain of number of episodes. And the moment you get any sort of cultural history, it suddenly feels like, oh, finally. yes. And in this one, the Suluban that they befriend, reveals that the sulaban homeworld was destroyed hundreds of years earlier and so the sulaban have largely become nomadic people so the members of the cabal and this is not my attempt to excuse what they are doing but the members of the cabal are people who are looking for some kind of foothold and power in a scenario where they have none yes meanwhile these other sulaban who have effectively been refugees across this quadrant of the galaxy have found homes on various planets where they have settled in and this particular sulaban says I had not only did I live on that planet I was born on that planet he had a job as a chief engineer in a research facility on that planet when things started to go bad because of the cabal he and his family were rounded up as a result of that not because of anything that they had done but because of what they were by birth and seeing that depicted for the Suleban was very very interesting it brings them Mm -hmm. really into the it feels like this is the first time that the Suleban became a trek race yes it was as opposed to being a bunch of people in costumes playing bad guys
1: as as viewers it's like we've been thirsty for more information about the sulaban and this is the first time we got some depth to their society and why they may be the way they are it's like
0: they should have done this (laughs) (laughs) Weeks earlier. Yes. And then this is also one of the first times where there's a meeting between uh after Archer has befriended the Suleban named Danek, and Danek is the one filling him in on like we're a people who care for our families. We are hardworking. We try to integrate ourselves into various planets where we've ended up. And then through no acts of our own, we've ended up in these detention camps. And it's after all of that that Archer now has a different perspective and then he's pulled back into Colonel Gratt's office and Gratt begins to question him along the lines of, and this is the first time this is happening in the season. Here we are, episode, what are we on, 21? Finally, somebody is looking back at the overall season and saying yes. in Gratt's conversation, why did you deal with the Sulaban when the Broken Bow storyline, the pilot, took place why did you not tell me anything that you knew about the sulabans involvement in the temporal cold war what did you know when you crossed paths with them basically cherry picking from archer's own history and it raises some interesting questions how is he getting this information yes what are what are they doing how are they gaining access to this information have they done something with the enterprise where they've actually been able to hack records and be able to find this information. Grat is looking at all of this as potential evidence of, it's very subtly hinted at, maybe you're in collusion with them, but you know, even if you're not in collusion, you know something. And therefore you should tell me what you know. So it's one of those, you are suddenly guilty by association and mm-hmm. best case scenario, you're holding secrets. Worst case scenario, you know more and are involved directly in these things and that's why you're here. So this is the, now the screws turn to the point where now it's causing some pain. Up to this point, it's been largely uncomfortable. It's been awkward. It's been, I wish we had met under different circumstances. Now suddenly it's, oh, I'm going to delay your transfer to the magistrate. You now might be here for two months. And you can see the handwriting on the wall. If yep. they don't get out of this internment camp, they aren't going to leave. They're never going to be allowed. The whole thing with due process, legal process, all those arguments go completely out the window. All the while Grad is still making the argument this is for their protection. They are yep. in danger if they leave this camp. They will leave and then they will be pursued and they will be hunted by other people. So it's a better for them to be in this prison where we at least feed them and clothe them as opposed to them having to flee for their lives from rabble who might be looking to literally describing like lynching scenarios. Like yep. they would be pursued and, and they would be murdered. And at this point now, Archer understands like this isn't none of this is going to work. Yep. And to Paul finally understands when she has it communicated to her aboard the enterprise Oh, there's been a problem. There's been a delay. They're going to be here for a while. This is the turning point for DePaul, where she yes. finally hears Tripp saying, Let's get going on some sort of rescue operation. And she says, basically, almost like she's turning a blind eye, like, Do what you need to do. And so they manage to get a communicator in, they beam it down into the internment camp. Archer and Mayweather now have an opportunity to communicate with the Enterprise. And from this point on, the the episode is largely, um, it's like the movie The Great Escape. It's yes. rounding up support. There is some tension between one of the Suleban who is not interested in being involved. He sees the potential that these Earth men are actually trying to cause problems for the sulaban and he's operating complete and i loved the, the fact that it didn't turn out to be that he was himself a member of the cabal but it's just a terrified sulaban he has well, he, seen it's people it's guilt get hurt by association yeah. it's a
1: guilt by association he looks at the humans as you you're probably in cahoots with the uh the people running the prison it's like and you're trying to get us in trouble so it's like it's it's just suspicion all around which mm-hmm. is an interesting dynamic to, to yeah. lean into
0: so because of the knowledge of Danik and the other sulaban who understand better how the camp is laid out and there is a there is a hangar where it turns out that Suleban vessels are being held and that's also it turns out where the shuttlecraft is being held and so they put together a plan of getting there, and they've orchestrated this with members of the Enterprise crew, which includes Trip. And this is again one of those interesting situations. Like, why is Trip flying this mission? No, like Trip is flying this shuttlecraft to effectively strafe and bomb parts of the camp to destroy weaponry, so that the Suluban and everybody else can escape.
1: We're why doing is an the air chief strike. engineer
0: doing that? We're doing an airstrike. Get the chief engineer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's not what happens. No. uh and in a nice twist they end up beaming reed down into the camp and two things about this that i really liked he's been uh the doctor has changed his skin so that he looks sullivan so you end up with the opportunity for several nice jokes including reed saying can we get me to sick bay immediately because this is really starting to itch yeah and you also get the opportunity to hear Flocks as he's working on him without knowing what he's working on say, I'm not quite happy with the nose. Yeah. I like those two moments. There's, you also there's get a nice moment of interaction with Mayweather and Archer. You want to go yeah. into that?
1: I love the way that Mayweather didn't recognize him at first, was ready to like beat him up and it took him a while to recognize Reed. Is that you? And then when he runs into the captain for the first time, the captain throws him against a wall and just immediately goes Reed, <laughs> like <Yeah>. almost immediately. <laughs> It's like I like the fact that you, they, they did, did it two different ways for those two different characters.
0: Yeah, they did it two different ways for those two different characters and Reed's response to both of them is he's happy that he gets to tease Mayweather yes. by saying something to him, calling him by name and clearly with his British accent coming through like, haha, I got you. And then when he meets Archer, he's he disappointed, disappointed <laughs> yes. that the captain so quickly is identified and he's just like, damn it, like I can't get yeah. one over on you very nice moments so they get read into the camp uh there's a quick turn of events where they find the communicator uh the prisoners the the prison guards have beaten the crap out of mayweather and they are turning the screws on archer and mayweather basically saying like you're this is going to get this is going to get nasty now because you guys are clearly operating against uh what we're trying to do here and when the prison break finally takes place it includes some nice action sequences i thought that were well rendered with the shuttlecraft coming in again i wish it hadn't been trip flying it but he comes in and he's strafing these weapons uh, that are around the camp large anti-aircraft weaponry a guard tower and then reed is able to plant explosives inside the prison at a wall that gives them direct access with a quick run across a field to get to the hangar and for me the episode ended in the episode ending i thought was great i thought you know the Mm -hmm. escape was it had elements of excitement you had even the reluctant prisoner turning and saying like oh my god i have to help my friend because his child is here saying he's in danger and so he runs down a hallway and he ends up getting involved so that even you know the reluctant gets to have a moment of being a hero and rightfully those interned are getting out they are escaping and they get into their ships and they all start to fly away and for me i was a little disappointed that the ending was they all fly away and then they just fly away it's just it it felt like a a real sharp record scratch in that moment and i would have appreciated if it had been a little bit more like why archer wouldn't say send out a message to all those ships have them group up around us and we will escort them out of this space we will escort them to whatever their destination is i would have appreciated them like putting their arm around them because the enterprise at that point had demonstrated the ships that go out to attack the enterprise when the escape attempt starts are effectively like small scout vessels and the enterprise hits them with a couple of torpedoes and effectively swats them away so The Enterprise staying in proximity with these escaping vessels would have made a lot of sense to me, especially since one of the Sullivan, again, the one that they've been working with, Danik, the one who's uh, most closely friendly with Archer, he names a specific system that they could try to make it to. So well this is not just flying off into space but they had a destination in mind of where we could go where we could possibly be safe it would have been nice if Archer had in that moment said like coordinate with us we'll escort you out of here if anybody tries to do anything we'll be able to take care of it for you.
1: Well the one thing I did like was that they didn't show which Suliban got out. Because yeah. we don't know if his friend got out we don't know if that guy that ran back to help got out yeah. the two of them could have died but like, we don't know who survived and who didn't and then the giant like end gigantic question mark that's left is like when mayweather says do you think they'll make it and his response of out of the system yes but beyond that i don't know yeah and it's like just left it with this gigantic like cloud hanging over the entire episode of we did a good thing by freeing these people but in freeing these people they may all die because yeah. they may not have a shot here and so it leaves that kind of ethical question mark over the entire episode which i liked but as you pointed out it could have they still needed some kind of resolution to the fact of like the captain saying like what you're saying is broadcast a message say that we'll take them to the enterprise we'll escort them out of the space and then they can go where they want to go it's yeah. like that would have that would have just been a nice like little uh cherry on top without yeah. destroying the message of yeah i think the you ending.
0: could have had both the ending that you've you've know referred to like yeah having mayweather still say that line of like do you think they'll make it and like i don't know what the future holds for them because clearly they are being hunted and blamed for the actions of a small group and you but you could also could have still had that moment of like but let us help them get at least away from this planet at least away from these immediate pursuers that are going to be hot on their tail yeah but overall i rank this episode as head and shoulders above some of the recent ones we've dealt with the episodes handling better and like this (laughs) this this for me is like i'd put this in the top three or four of the season
1: yeah me too it's like the, the last few that we've reviewed were not good episodes yeah really at all and this is the first good one we've had in a while and i would still i would rank it in probably the top three or four as well for the entire series so far
0: so our listeners should let us know what they think did you appreciate this episode for the the cultural moment that it was reflecting both the world war ii elements but also the post 9 11 moments let us know what you think you can leave a comment in the comment section below this video or you can reach out through the contact information in the podcast description next time matt we're going to be talking about vox sola so what do you think is happening in that
1: I think it sounds like a bubbly ve- beverage, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> Would
0: you like a Vox Sola? Yes. Oh, refreshing. For me. I can't handle the bubbles. <laughs> yeah. Before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to remind our listeners about? What do you have going on on your other channels?
1: Uh, check out just my main channel, Undecided with Matt Farrell, where I'm talking about the latest sustainability technologies. Um, I just interviewed a nuclear physicist about nuclear fusion and a recent breakthrough that really makes me feel like... We are finally going to see fusion reactors in our lifetimes. Um, it's
0: cool stuff. So check it out. That sounds completely made up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like Star Trek. <laughs> sure. You've just talked to a nuclear scientist about fusion. Right. Okay. <laughs> that sounds cool. As for me, you can check out my website, seanferral.com and you can also just look for my books if you don't want to bother going to a website you can just go directly to amazon or barnes and noble or drop by your bookstore and look for my books there a reminder you can visit trekintime.show and you can directly support the podcast there if anybody has any comments or corrections please do reach out you can find the contact information in the podcast notes or just go to the comment section directly below the video if you need to point out to us that that actually wasn't the actor we thought it was that that was that was norman rockwell that wasn't dean stockwell <laughs> dean stockwell <laughs> you guys don't know what you're talking about that was the painter let us know and please also remember to subscribe to like the episode and share it widely with friends and strangers because after all it's not what star trek's about making friends <laughs> exploring <laughs> and do come back next time Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Talk to you later.